Thanks, Matt. Uh, Matt's definitely one of my best friends on our pastoral team, which is why he didn't say anything stupid or embarrassing about me, because he knows I could say something stupid and embarrassing about him. Uh, but it's awesome. Uh, to The pressure and the load that him and his team carries is just sometimes unreal. Uh, some of the stories he shares and the things that they're dealing with. Um, some, for those of you who have been around here for a while, there was a Mother's Day a few years back where we did chocolate-covered strawberries. And um, the single mom that we bought those from was the young lady he was talking about whose life just got ended uh, this last month. And so um, the people that they're working with are people that we can have a direct impact on and to be able to come alongside them. And not knowing the amount of time and wanting to have so much time and wanting to be able to pour into them, the opportunities that Centers has is just phenomenal. And we can be a part of that. And so at the very least, being able to give financially. Uh, their goal is $75,000, uh, 27 locations. That works out to about $2,750 per location. Um, I'm a Bible guy, so I just want you to know I did use a calculator to figure that out. Um, um, but so, I mean, to round that and say $3,000 for our location, that should be an easy goal. And so praying toward that uh, over this next week, how can you be a part of that? And so I'd love to be able to blow that goal out of the water and just be able to come alongside centers and bless them and just show how much we appreciate what Matt and his team is doing. So be praying for them, uh, especially as we go in, not only to this offering, but everything that they're doing. And please seek him out if you're interested. I had one or two people come up to me and were like, hey, is that something we can volunteer in or what can we... Go talk to the guy in the hoodie. And so uh, they, you can give, but you can also come alongside and actually be part of the different things working with these students. So just be praying about that. Uh, join me in Colossians 3 this morning. Colossians 3. Uh, if you don't have a Bible and you want to use the one in the pew, it's on page 984 in the pew Bible, or I'll have it on the screen as well if that's easier for you. It's, you know, it's good to see it in the Bible in front of you, but... Uh, click, turn there, click there, whatever's best for you. Many of us have experienced moments where after starting something, after something has started that you've stopped and you say, okay, now what? So I started this, okay, now what? You got accepted into that school. Okay, now what? How do you buy your books? How do you find your dorm? How do you do this? I did, you got that job. Okay, now what? What do you do for the first day? How do you get your ID badge? Where's your keys? You said I do, but now what? How do you navigate those first couple weeks, first couple months of marriage? You started fill in the blank. Now what? Well, over the last four weeks, we've been talking about what a disciple is. Somebody who follows Jesus. And so think about that. You begin following Jesus. You have a proper understanding of who he is, of the cost of following him, of what he's calling you to. You've responded to that invitation. You have made him first in your life. You've put your faith in him. You are a disciple of Jesus now. Now what? Now what? What are the next steps in following him? Well, that's what we're going to be discussing over not only today, but the next couple months. What are the next steps on being a disciple of Jesus? We're going to be looking at nine different spiritual disciplines. It's not all that there are, and there's other things that we could talk about, but that's how many weeks we have between now and Christmas. So we're going to fit in these nine weeks these different spiritual disciplines. And what is a spiritual discipline? Well, author 
Donald Whitney describes spiritual disciplines like this. He says spiritual disciplines are God or, the God-ordained means by which we bring ourselves before God, experience Him, and are changed into Christ's likeness. It has pleased Him to establish specific means, the spiritual disciplines, whereby we may expect to encounter Him regularly and be transformed by Him. If the Lord might be compared to a pure, life-giving river, the spiritual disciplines would be those ways by which we come to the river to drink from, dive into, swim at, eat from, wash from, irrigate with it, the ways that we encounter Him. And I love this image of a river that we can come to and experience the goodness of that river. Because the disciplines are not a divine to-do list. These aren't the necessary tasks that we have to complete in order for God to love us or for God to bless us. No, that's, that's not what these things are at all. These are different skills or habits, experiences that bring life to our life with God. I mean, he, Whitney also gives this image of uh, starting a fire. Think about having a campfire and you, get, you add things to that. You build it and you get it lit up. But once it's going... You have to keep adding fuel to that fire. You have to keep adding things so the fire will be strong and continue to burn. And in many ways, that's what the disciplines are doing. They are intentional practices by which God strengthens and fuels our discipleship, our following Him. And so this is what we're going to be looking at. Hebrews 12, 14 says, "...work at living in peace with everyone." And work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Now that last phrase isn't telling us that if we don't act holy, we don't get to be, God, be with God. Because God is the one who makes us holy. God is the one who makes all of this possible. God makes it possible. We need to work at developing the relationship that he's given us. So that's what dis the disciplines are. They are how we go about living a holy life. They are how we go about working on what it means to be the church and in community together. This is how we grow. And so we'll be discussing each of these habits, and along the way, in each one, we're going to be giving a specific challenge, a specific thing for each of us to do based on whatever that week's next step is. And so as we get started within this, as we talk about what the next steps of discipleship are, Here's the thing that I want you to be praying with me. I want to ask you to pray about this over these next two months. I want you to pray Hebrews 12, 14. That's going to be our key verse. We're going to keep coming back to this amongst others. So write that one down, memorize that, whatever that might be. But what does it mean to work at living a holy life? And here's, I want you to pray two things. First, God help me to work at living a holy life. And second, God help our church to work at living a holy life. That we would God, we'd be open to this. That we would be open to, okay, God, help me to know more of what it means to be one of your followers. Help me to grow in this. Help me to know how to experience you and for our church to experience you. Can you do that? Can you be praying, God, give me an openness for what you have for me? Pray you should, I hope that you're already praying for this church, for your church, but praying specifically, God, help us to grow 
and work at living a holy life as we go through these next steps over these next couple of months. And I know that Matt prayed, but kind of presenting this idea of what I want us to be praying about, I'd like to just pray again and ask God to speak to us through his word this morning. So let's pray together. God, we, we're just so grateful that we can be here together. We're grateful for your presence. I just thank you so much for all of these men and women that you have made this church family what it is. And I pray that you would encourage us. I pray that you would grow us. God, I pray that you would help us to work at living a holy life. I pray, God, that you would show us the things, the adjustments we need to make, the tweaks we need to make in our life, the things that we can add, the things we can enter into, not to begrudgingly, not to be a chore, but to experience your goodness, to experience the healthy life that you want to give us that thrives with you and trusting you and the peace and joy that you give. And so I pray that you would help us even today as we get started with that. I pray, God, that you would encourage us. I pray that you would convict and challenge us. I pray that you would speak to our hearts in exactly the ways that we need to hear. So, Spirit, encourage us as we listen to your word. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Now, you hear me say practices and habits, and those are like things that we do. And today's first practice is a little bit different than the others, but I would say it's actually the most important one out of all of them. Today, we're going to talk about continually reminding ourselves of who we are in Jesus, of continually reminding ourselves of who we are in him. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. That is another key verse. If you are a follower of Jesus... You are a new person. You are a new creation. You have a new identity. You have a new identity. Who you are is different. A disciple of Jesus is somebody who is given a new identity. The fact that I am a follower of Christ is not part of my life. It is the central core identifying truth that should saturate every part of my life. I feel and believe this is the most important truth that we need to hold on to and grab on to as followers of Jesus today. This is not the first time you've heard me say this at this church. I talk about this a lot. Why? Because our identity in Christ is the most important thing about us. The most important thing we need to be reminded of and how it guides everything about what we do. To be a follower of Jesus is not simply a piece of my personality puzzle. It's not a hobby. It's not just a piece of religious information to theologize about. This is what it means to follow Christ. We've been talking about this, again, for the last month, about the fact that we are new people in Him. But now we're talking about it as a spiritual practice. Because that's the reality. When we talk about our identity in Jesus, it's not simply about starting that relationship with him. It's not about just starting that life with him. Our identity in Jesus defines how we live our lives. Our identity in Jesus is how we go about our day-to-day. Our identity in Jesus is how we go about every aspect of who we are. And so we have to come back to this. Our identity in Jesus drives our discipleship guides our discipleship. 
That's why I say this is the most important of the disciplines, because remembering who you are is what all the disciplines are doing. Reminding you of who you are in Jesus, growing you more in Jesus, letting you experience the reality of him. We have to be reminded of who we are and learn how to navigate who we are in him. And that's what Colossians 3, 1 to 17 does. This is one of my favorite passages to talk about, to teach on, to come back to, to remind myself about, because I think it's so core to what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It's going to tell us three big things. One is that I am made new with Christ. I am made new with Christ. My identity in Jesus guides how I navigate everything. Look at what it says in the first few verses here. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now, there's two different phrases I want to focus in on here within this paragraph. The first one is this. It says, set your minds on the things that are above. Set your, things on that, set your mind on things that are above. That set your mind is to calibrate, to get in sync with, to line up with, to get the idea of what this is talking about. Kyle said I could use his guitar for this. And so if you think about the reality of a guitar, playing this, this is in tune. Each of these strings is tuned to a specific note. And so when somebody plays it, that sounds okay, right? Ready for worship. But if, you were, if we were to come up in here and Kyle came up or whoever, I'm only going to do two, and started playing it, everybody ready? You'd be, some, something's wrong there, right? You, something's off. What is it? It's out of tune. Because an E string is supposed to be tuned to a specific note. An A string is supposed to be tuned to a specific note. And this is clearly out of tune. When it says, set your mind on things above, it's saying to set your life to the reality of Jesus. And so if God tells us to be holy in something, I have to ask myself, what does it mean to tune this moment to holiness? I'm working on my bills and I'm um, doing report, you're doing reports for work, and I'm supposed to do things this way, but you know what, I'm going to kind of do it this way, and maybe I'm not going to report all of this stuff. And Well, that dishonesty, that's out of tune with Jesus. To go about that work and to go about how I'm supposed to do things in honesty and integrity, that's being in tune with who Jesus is. Does that make sense? And so when we think about what Paul is telling us in that passage, Kyle, remember your guitar is out of tune when you come back up. Um, I forgot to say that last time, but he knew. Um, when he says, set your mind on the things above, an E string is specifically tuned a specific way. And so what Paul is saying, you are a follower of Jesus now. So when you navigate school, you have to tune your life as a student to Jesus and not what the rest of your peers are doing. If you're 
when you think about your singleness, when you think about your marriage, when you think about your work, when you think about interacting with your neighbors, you think about your thought life, you think about when you're by yourself, any minute of your day, I need to tune that minute to the reality of who Jesus is. And not because anything else, anyone else, any other idea, any other ethic, any other what's the right or wrong, what's the best, anything else other than Jesus is out of tune. Is out of tune compared to what it means, in, in light of what it means to be a follower of Christ. Our lives are out of tune when we calibrate them to anything and anyone other than Him. And so think about how today's talk then connects to the rest of the disciplines that we're talking about. That's the second phrase I want to look at. In the top there, it says, seek the things that are above. To seek something is to pursue, to go after. To go, you're, I'm going after this thing. So what the, the way that these two phrases work together is that in the disciplines of, that we're going to look at, scripture engagement, hospitality, generosity, prayer, all these different things, in those, I am seeking the Lord out. I am connecting with him. I am pursuing the Lord. I'm pursuing Jesus. So then I can set my life to him. I seek him out. I seek out the reality of who he is so that the, in the discipline, so that when I go about my day-to-day -day life, when I go about everything that I'm responsible for interacting with or processing, I can tune those things to Jesus. So the question is, when we start thinking about this, the big question as we go forward is, what parts of your life are in tune or out of tune to Jesus? You should have been given one of these handouts when you came in. Did anybody not get one of these by chance? Uh, could, somebody, could you grab, uh, there's a couple of people up here, they'll bring you one. While they're doing that, uh, there's two sides to this. The one side has three different boxes, and the top box each box kind of based on one point of the sermon. And so that top box is asking that question. What areas of your life are the most and the least set on Jesus? You know, there's a reality that this can't just be something that you heard me say today and then leave and then go on about it. The Bible talks about that we should not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And so when you hear the Bible saying this, Seek the things of the Lord and then set your life on Him. Tune your life to Him. Which parts of your life are the most in tune with Jesus? And which parts of your life are the least in tune with Jesus? And the way that the Spirit works a lot of times, the way that I've kind of seen this happen is the thing you're thinking about now when I say that, that's what it is. And so I challenge you to be honest with that. Is your thought process? Is your mind in tune with Jesus or out of tune? Is your heart, your emotions, what you're processing in tune with Jesus or out of tune? Are your relationships in tune with him or out of tune? Is your work ethic in tune with Jesus or out of tune? Is how you see yourself in tune with Jesus or out of tune? We have to be honest about that. We have to be real with that. If we're going to grow, if we're going to be faithful followers of him, then we have to acknowledge we have been made new with him. That's what it means to follow Jesus. And so that helps me navigate everything that I do in life. And so the basic reality of processing that is what parts are in tune and what parts are out of tune. The second thing, and 
this is going to build on one another. The second thing then is I am renewed in Christ. My new identity in Jesus must be pruned and protected. Listen to verse 5. It says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Don't lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and to put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge at the image of its creator. There's some really strong language in this passage, especially at the beginning. And this is a part of scripture where Jesus gives us permission to choose violence. Now, let me clarify what I'm saying when I say that. Look at that very first phrase, put to death. That's really strong language. Put to death, kill, end. Do not allow this to exist. Jesus is giving you permission to choose violence right there. But not just anyone and everyone. This is self-reflection. Put to death whatever is earthly in you. Whatever is of your old life. I mean, there can be no room for error here. End these things. Don't allow them to breathe. Destroy these aspects of your old story. I mean, catch, catch the build here from the last section. Tune your life to the things of Christ. Tune your life to your identity in Christ. And anything that's part of who you were before you started following Jesus, any different practices or habits or attitudes or temptations that are out of tune, kill them. Destroy them. Exterminate. Do not allow them to exist. That's really strong language, but that's what it says. Think about a tree that has diseased limbs. Sick type of a tree. There's tons of different trees in Chicago. The colors are changing. But if you look at some of these different things, sometimes you can see the trees that the branches are messed up. There's something wrong there. And so somebody will come in to prune the trees to cut this part off. If I don't cut some of these parts off, it's going to affect the rest of the tree and the rest of it's going to die. Because that's the thing about these different elements is that these are the things that drain us, that can kill our relationships, that put pressure on our relationships, that drain and ruin not only who we are, but those that we're connected with. And so that's why God says, these different habits that aren't of me, these different things in your character and your personality and your rhythms that aren't in line with me, you need to cut these things off. Prune them, remove them, protect the relationship. I mean, if you found mice in your house, you would not take them on as pets. You would be going and buying mouse traps. But the reality is, is that when we see some of these things in our lives, which are like nasty rodents, sometimes rather than exterminating them, we take them on as pets. We coddle them rather than destroying them. And so to follow Jesus, to be a follower of Jesus, to have my identity in him, there's a strong call here. These things that are of your old life have to be cut out. They have to be destroyed. And so it says in Galatians 5.24, For those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Romans 6, Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourself completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. 
So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. This be intentional about how you live, and that includes intentional about removing these habits and these behaviors. Because what will happen when we do these things, when we, these things come up, we use language like, I didn't mean it, or I couldn't help it. And we're using that to justify, but actually that's horribly condemning. Because what are you saying is that I didn't even have to try, this just came out. I acted that way unintentionally. It's natural to me. That's not good. And so we need to exterminate these things. And so, again, to that handout, what sinful practices of your old life do you need to stop coddling and start destroying? The question on there is, what temptation, compromise, struggle, or sin have you allowed to stay active in your life rather than exterminating it? And here's the reality. Jesus tells us that he is faithful to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. This is not meant to see these things, to shame us, or to make us feel horrible, or to any of those things. It's to remind us of who we are, to have forgiveness, and then to make adjustments to move away from those things. But we have to acknowledge, if I have been renewed in him, then the things of old has to go. Your identity in Jesus must be pruned and protected. And that leads to the last thing. I'm chosen in Christ. My identity in Jesus equips me with a new way of living. My identity in Jesus equips me with a new way of living. Listen to verse 12. Put on then, as God's chosen ones who are holy and blessed, put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Put on bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. This is telling us to put things on. Every single person in this room made a conscious decision to get dressed this morning. Made the conscious, deliberate decision to go about your day not naked. And I want to say thank you for that. Because every day we intentionally put clothes on. And what is the language here? intentionally choose to put on what Jesus has provided for you. Jesus is the one that gives us these things. These are the definition of life with Jesus, but we have to put them on. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have to intentionally live the life he's given you. He's given you permission to destroy some things, but not to go run around without these things on. In verse 8, it said, put away, get rid of, get, take off anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Take those old clothes off and burn them. Don't donate them to somebody else. Burn them. But here in verse 12, put on these new clothes. And the reality is, I think if all of us, I know I'm guilty of this, all of us, if you go to your closet, there's going to be stuff in there, more than one probably, where it's like, man, when was the last time I wore that? Who, who could say that right now about their closet? Yeah, some of you are just lying right now. 
And some of it, it's like you literally have dust on the top of the hanger or like there's the rim like on the shirt because of how long it's been in there. I have this. I bought this. Somebody gave me this, but I haven't chosen to wear it. Jesus has given you a wardrobe of holiness, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiveness, love, peace, and thanksgiving. We have to put that on. We have to go about our day-to-day with that stuff on. Tuning your life to Christ means intentionally living these ways. And so if these things aren't seen in us, it's not because we don't own the clothes, it's because we're choosing not to wear them. So if you're a follower of Jesus and you know that, and these things aren't seen in you, that's an area of unfaithfulness, and we have to put these things on. Or we have to be really brutally honest. Am I not really following him? And then at that point, we need to begin that relationship with him so he can give us these clothes to put on. Followers of Jesus intentionally, willfully choose to be obedient and faithful to Jesus. Ephesians 4 says, Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. 1 Peter 1, man, these two verses get right to this whole concept. You must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. And so think, look at this last box on this handout. And I have Colossians, the words from Colossians 3, 12 to 17 written on here. Which of these words sticks out to you as you hear them as an area that you need to be intentional in to be obedient and faithful to Jesus? Now, and I'm going to read these really slowly. I want you to prayerfully listen. Prayerfully in your heart asking God to draw your mind, draw your heart to one of these words. God, make one of these stick out to me. Compassion. Kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiveness, love, peace, and thankfulness. Which of those words sticks out to you as an area you need to be intentional in? Which of those words you do you need to put on? And even more so, why? Well, I need to put on love because we all need to love it. No, specifically your life, the details of your life, the, the work that you have to do, the responsibilities you have to do, the relationships that you have, family. Which one of those words do you need to put on? Not somebody else, no elbows here, keep your arms to yourself. Which do you need to put on? What's, why is God drawing your heart to that. Not to shame us, not to beat ourselves up, but so that we can tune ourselves to him, living faithful and obedient to this life that he has given us. That's, to be a follower of Jesus is to put these things on and live our days within them. Because think about a person 
who is living, compassionate, kindness, kind, humble, meek, patient, uh, forgiving, loving, peaceful, thankful lives, interacting with others, that just is a contagious righteousness that others are going to see the goodness of God and be interested in that. Not only is this for your own good, but it's so that others can see the goodness of the Lord. My identity in Jesus equips me with a new way of living. Which of those do you need to intentionally put on so that your life is in sync with him? This passage closes with verse 17. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. There's really no wiggle room in that verse. Whatever you do. So, I mean, just the actions or the thoughts, no, in word or deed. Like, there's a spe- everything. Do it all in the name of Jesus. Do it all in a way that honors him. Do it all in a way that reflects who he is and the identity that you have in him. Your identity in Jesus guides who you are. Your identity in Jesus reminds you of who you are, of your, that you are loved, that you are cared for, that you are not alone. We take that with us. But unfortunately, we're very forgetful people. We need to be reminded. That's why we're going to be ending with communion today, because we forget the centrality of what 